Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. Welcome everyone back to day number eight. We just finished learning about the Jewish court, the Sinhadrin, uh, the house of the high priest Caiaphas. And then that Friday, they sent Jesus to the Roman trial. So today we're going to learn about Jesus standing before Pontius Pilatus. And just to remind you, let us imagine back, it is early morning Friday, April 3rd. 33 AD this is what is known by Good Friday so we are walking from the house of the high priest Caiaphas at Peter Ingelicanto church it's a little bit uphill and we will be walking adjacent to the old city walls of Jerusalem and we will reach a hill towards passing by Zion gates towards Jaffa gate from all outside the walls and by this stage some of the group members will not be able to continue walking because they are so exhausted and they are so tired we have been almost walking for around five hours so far and for the ones who are so tired i suggest for them to take the bus from the peter Engelicanto church all the way to jaffa gate and we will meet them all there but I am so much surprised that no one want to use the bus. They want to walk with me. So as a reminder again, we are doing the similar route where Jesus walked from the high priest Caiaphas house all the way up to the Praetorium, to the palace of Herod, where Pontius Pilatus want to judge Jesus. And that area is outside the city walls of Jerusalem, nearby Jaffa Gate, with a view looking at the Hinnom Valley, the Valley of Gehenna. Someone from the group asked me a question. Andre, have you ever walked through the Valley of Gehenna? In my mind, I like this question so much. And my answer with a big smile, yes, me many times as a kid. I went with my friends all the time to play in the valley and explore the ancient cemeteries, the caves and the stones. But our families, and especially my father, was all the time saying to me, Son, do not go and play in that valley. It is a dark, cursed one. It is known. This was the reputation of the valley in my culture. The Hinnom Valley just had a very bad reputation of being the place of fire or hell. But as kids, we did not care. We wanted just to play because that was the only 
green large space open field that we can play soccer outside of the old city of Jerusalem not far from Jaffa Gate not far from my home and because he asked me a question about the Hinnom Valley I will answer a long answer and I will tell him more history about the Valley of Gehenna it was King Hezekiah father his name was Ahaz in the Hebrew scripture who had introduced many pagan and idol practices which gave the valley of Gai ben Hinnom this bad reputation the valley had a Semitic name originally meaning the son of Hinnom Gai ben Hinnom in Hebrew means Gai the son of Hinnom so it's a person and it's written in Chronicles 2 chapter 28 1 to 4 that Ahaz displeased God and sacrificed his son to the Canaanite Phoenician god of Molech and Baal let us read from scripture Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years unlike David his father he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord he followed the ways of the kings of Israel and also made idols for worshipping the Baals remember that the kings of Israel were all corrupt at that time verse number 3 he burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben Hinnom and sacrificed his children in the fire engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the world the Lord had driven out before the Israelites he offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree so this is what we learn from scripture from Chronicles 2 chapter 28 1 to 4 about King Ahaz displeasing God and Hezekiah's son Ahaz and later his successor Manasseh compounded the evil by forcing even his son to pass through fire in the valley of Gehenna and a century and a half later fires were still burning in that valley almost within sight of the temple of Jerusalem and adjacent to the Mount of Olives and this is where all the kings were anointed no wonder why prophet Jeremiah protested at this horrible practice look what's written in Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 35 they built the high places of Baal in the valley of Ben Hinnom to offer up their sons and daughters to Molech though I did not command them nor did it enter my mind that they should do this abomination causing Judah to sin and also we know that Jeremiah further prophesied that the sounds of laughter and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride would cease to be heard in the streets of Jerusalem the valley of Gehenna would be renamed later the valley of slaughter so this is very important to remember the valley of Gehenna would be renamed later the valley of slaughter for a reason 
So this memory of evil continued up to the time of the second temple when idol worship had been completely eliminated. Did Jesus know of the abomination practiced in Ben Hinnom Valley like 600 to 800 years earlier? Of course he did. Even today in the 21st century, the valley carries the same bad reputation. It is a cursed valley. We are aware of what happened in this valley long, long time ago and is a dangerous place to be in and a scary dark location. So definitely Jesus knew about that valley and what happened there. Today, Gehenna, the valley of Gai Ben Hinnom, is the opposite of our vision of hell. There are no fiery furnaces, certainly no children's sacrifices, and it's so quiet and desolate. It's a one stone's throw from the bustling Jaffa Gate area where we are standing, and we can see it from here all the way down. So let me describe for you today what you exactly see when you walk inside the valley of Gehenna. We see an old crusader building. As a kid, I was playing on that building and especially on the roof that have holes in it. And this was the first crusader cemetery in Jerusalem. It is like Oshawaris where Christians pilgrims were buried if they happened to die in Jerusalem. Their bodies were simply thrown into the, inside the building underneath the holes in the roof and left there. You will see also a large building, a large construction and notice its great arches. And then backtrack a little bit and go down through a marked path into the depth of the wadi, which is the valley that is filled with a lot of old olive trees. So 3000 years ago, a copper statue of Molech stood in this area because that's the deepest point of the valley. And they sacrificed their firstborn sons, the innocent blood, to the god of Molech and the Canaanite god of Baal. So that is the hottest and the southern deepest part of the valley of Gehenna was called in Hebrew the Tophet and possibly from the word Tupim which means drums in Hebrew. It said that when children innocent blood were being sacrificed to the idol of Moloch and Baal, drums were beaten so loudly that the cries of the infant children could not be heard. We see also a Greek Orthodox monastery of St. Onophorios, which was built in 1892 and named after Judas committed suicide on a tree in this vicinity. It's a Russian Orthodox monastery. In Aramaic, Haklildima, which literally translates to the field of blood. And this is the area where Judas, on late Thursday night, after surrendering Jesus to the Romans, went and committed suicide on a tree 
Even the tree is called Judas tree and the leaves of the tree, the tradition says, are red. So if you come here in summertime, you look at the tree, have red leaves symbolizing the blood shed by Judas. It's only tradition. This monastery have a huge door entrance. And as kids, we used to come here and to ring the bell and run away. <laughs> but that was the kids because we wanted to play. But if you ring on the doorbell, a gentle Russian speaking nun will open the gate for you and you will be able to see the courtyard with its impressive, beautiful, preserved burial chambers. And just to let you know, the entire area in and around the monastery is full of impressive burial caves and chambers that go all the way back, not only for the Crusaders, all the way go back to the first temple period. All what I am describing for you is just to lay a foundation a background for the teaching I will do because I'm gonna focus on Matthew chapter 27 and I will divide it into three main sections section number one which we're gonna talk about in this session Jesus trial by the Roman governor Pontius Pilatus the second section would be crucifixion and the third section is resurrection so let us read Matthew 27 and the theme is innocent blood saves us from hell and put in the background what we shared i just shared with you matthew 27 verse 1 and 2 when the morning was come all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against jesus to put him to death and when they had bound him they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So, let us recap. Jesus was taken from Caiaphas' house to the place of the Roman governor Praetorium. This is the distance we just walked. Today, most people identify the Praetorium with another place called the Antonia Fortress, adjoining the temple courts where a Roman garrison stationed to guard the temple mount all year around and this is the tradition adopted till today the antonia fortress where the via dolorosa starts where the station of the cross starts it's a crusader tradition that is adopted till today and the exact location and the route taken by jesus to the place where he was judged by the Romans continue to be debated by archaeologists, historians and Christian spiritual leaders and scholars. But I will tell you today my perspective out of indigenous local Christian that lived all my life and studied in this area. So let us learn about the Protorium. The Protorium is a Latin term referring to a Roman encampment. Some scholars reasons that Pilate's Praetorium would have been located in Jaffa Gate area, the personal palace of King Herod. And Pilate would have been a personal guest to Herod because there's so much as we learned connections between King Herod 
and the governor Pontius Pilatus because they have high top positions. And when the governor Pontius Pilatus, who was stationed in Caesarea when he went to visit Jerusalem during the festivals, he will go and be a guest in Herod's palace. Recently, Israeli archaeologists, backed by the Israeli government, believe that they have found the site of Jesus' trail near the Tower of David Museum in Jerusalem in Jaffa Gate area. This is, by the way, very recent. And the building that they found has been excavated as part of plans to expand the Tower of David. And beneath the building, actually the police station, they found and discovered what was in use as an old prison. And because of all the excavations that have done there, they are agreeing, most of the scholars, this is the area of the Praetorium because they found a huge foundation and under the foundation square slabs of stone that would be a big area like a big courtyard where the governor when he visits Herod's palace when he wants to make a declaration or to make an important news to people people will gather all around in this praetorium so most scholars today says that the trial of Jesus by Pontius Pilatus the governor took place in Jaffa Gate where we are standing now behind the walls what you see let me give you three resources from history speaking about that location we have Philo of Alexandria a Jewish thinker who lived in Alexandria in Egypt in the first half of the first century and that was the time of Jesus places Pilate's residence at the palace of Herod, the location in Jaffa Gate. We also learn from Josephus Flavius. He tells us that the governor Florus, who was the last Roman governor of Judea, that ruled from 64 to 66 AD, had his judgment at the palace of Herod. You know what? The palace of Herod has been built by Herod, but it's not only for Herod. It was used later by the Romans after Herod died. And we read from Jewish Wars, chapter 2, paragraph 301. Now, at this time, Florus took up his quarters at the palace. And on the next day, he had his tribunal set before it and sat upon it when the high priest and the men of power and those of the greatest eminence in the city came all before that tribunal. So here is Josephus Flavius mentioning that it's the location in Jaffa Gate in Herod's palace. So the main difficulty in determining Jesus' path from the house of the high priest Caiaphas to what the Bible named the Praetorium to Calvary is not so exactly clear to all the scholars because nobody knows the exact site and the exact location of the what the bible called the praetorium i do not want to confuse you but to clarify more so let me make it very simple there are three possible locations of what the bible calls the praetorium the place of judgment first location that i i like uh, believe 
it's true because I've been living in Jerusalem and studied scripture and the Bible all my life, but it's only my own perspective. Number one location, Herod's the great palace or the citadel in Jaffa Gate area. Because it, the, the palace that Herod had built dominated all the upper city. It was almost 10% of the upper city. And it's a big complex. And I believe for the judgment by the Romans, the trial of Jesus took place in this area in Jaffa Gate at Herod's palace, facing the Hinnom Valley. This is exactly why we are here to talk about it. And back of us again is Herod's palace, the walls of Jerusalem, Jaffa Gate. Even if you look at the ground, you can see between the grass, huge slabs of stone. And you can see like a big gate, the entrance, the judgment gate, the entrance to the palace, one of the gates to the palace. And opposite of us is the Hinnom Valley. The second possible place that is known in tradition till today, the Antonia Fortress. Because a vast military garrisons, like a lot of army, will be like in the northern western side of the temple that they build a fortress to protect that temple and that compound. Today, what is known by the Umarayya school in the Muslim quarter. And that is the location of the stations of the cross. Actually, it's the first station of the cross. And it's believed the traditional site that the Franciscan believe and the Catholics and before the Crusaders, that is the Protorium where Jesus was judged and he walked all the way through the streets of Jerusalem from his condemnation to Calvary. Until today, there's a Franciscan procession that begins at 3 p.m. every Friday, departing from the Church of the Flagellation, the second station, following the way of the cross and stopping at each 14 stations and ending at the Holy Sepulchre, which we will go later today. So it's a very deep spiritual experience for Christian pilgrims that come to the Holy Land to visit. They often carry a large wooden cross and walk the Via Dolorosa. And this is a very famous and known by all the historians and the scholars. But that is not the recent, recent, according to the recent excavations. And this is a big conflict now because most of the evangelicals is saying that is not the traditional original route. Most of the evangelical church is saying that the new route is under Herod's palace in Jaffa Gate. Now the third place of the Protorium is called the Palace of the Hasmoneans. Remember the Hasmoneans has ruled for almost 100 years before Jesus. I'm talking about the second century. BCE. They ruled from 167 BCE to 67, almost 100 years. And they had built a huge palace in the area today, what we call the Jewish quarter. And many scholars also believe that from that palace, the Praetorium of the Hasmonean Palace, the governor went Pontius Pilatus and made the trial for Jesus. So there are three possible locations. And why I say 
and I believe that it's Herod's palace because it's a Roman property, Herod's palace. And who is in power? Rome. And the Roman procurators of Judea who ruled during Herod has used his palace. And this, of course, would include the governor Pontius Pilatus, who ruled in Jerusalem from 26 to 36 AD. And every year Pontius Pilatus came from Caesarea, as I mentioned, to Jerusalem during the time of the Passover to oversee security. This is why many scholars and archaeologists consider Herod's palace the site and the location of Jesus' trial by the Romans. But let us keep now reading from Matthew 27. Because Matthew wants us to understand what happened to Judas in the Hinnom Valley, what we're seeing adjacent to us, in conjunction with what is going on at Jesus' trial. We have to make the connection. Matthew 27, 3 and 4. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Verse 4, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Again, this is important. Saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. Now, after I read this, I will ask the group a question. What do you think the charge that Judas feels against himself? Why did he feel so guilty? Look what is written in Matthew 27. We just read verse 4, the key verse. I have betrayed innocent blood. Look, at, Let us look at the first betrayal that took place in the Bible for innocent blood is the sin of Cain betraying his brother Abel all the way back in Genesis 4.10 where his brother's innocent blood cries out to God from the ground. Let us read Genesis 4.10-12 The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So let us also, in adjacent what we read, keep it in your mind. Continue reading from Matthew now 27, 5 to 7. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. Verse 7. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Where is the potter's field? Is in the depth of the Hinnom Valley. What they do there, bury strangers in. The potter's field is a pagan site. So let us see what's strange about the high priest's response. Why did the high priest buy the potter's field? 
note three main points point number one it is their money the high priest's money the 30 silver pieces that they gave to judas earlier even they refuse to acknowledge that they gave it to him to judas they deny it they are lying high priests are lying point number two they do not acknowledge that they are guilty of betraying an innocent man as well because they acknowledge that it's blood money that they gave to Jesus, to Judas. It's a blood money. They acknowledge that. It's betraying innocent blood. Of course, the blood of Jesus, innocent blood. Point number three. They use the unclean money to buy an unclean place, a cemetery, Potter's Field, in the Hinnom Valley, from unclean people, Gentiles. Remember the Molech and the Baal sacrifices that took place in history? In that exact location, it's a cursed valley. Even they are aware about it. This is why they bought it. They are the ones who are supposed to be concerned with helping people and concerned to be high priest and holy and experience the forgiveness for their sins and the sins of others. Remember, the high priests are so much important, but they were so much corrupt at that time. But they are even lying because they do not want to lose their power. Imagine if you can't go to the chief high priest for help with your sins and the sacrifices. What you can go where else? You can't do it. But they are more worried about the ritual cleanness than they are a man's life it is all about power it is all about position it's the same like today let us continue reading matthew 27 8 to 10 verse 8 wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day then was fulfilled that which was spoken by jeremiah the prophet saying and they took the 30 piece of silver the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. Do you see that? Jeremiah have prophesied about everything of Jesus, even him standing at his trial facing the Hinnom Valley and the potter's field. The place that they buy, the potter's field, is renamed the Valley of Slaughter by Jeremiah. Remember, I mentioned that earlier, which I'm going to talk about it more now. Let us read Jeremiah 19, verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen flask, and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests, and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the potsherd gate, and proclaim the words that I will tell you. So, this is the valley of Ben Hinnom. Here, the same valley we are looking at. The potsherd gate is on the southern side of Jerusalem, and was probably named that because this is what the area where clay was gotten for making pottery and where broken the pottery shards were discarded 
even till today if you walk down that valley you will find a lot of potsherd pieces of pottery in the field still today you can see why the potter's field would have been in this area this is where god brings jeremiah and has him announce what is coming look verse 3 to 6 of chapter 19 let me read verse 3 and say hear the word of the lord all kings of judah and the inhabitants of jerusalem Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place, that whoever hears of it, his ears will be tingle, because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place, because they have burned incense in it to other gods whom neither they, their fathers, nor the kings of Judah have known, and have filled this place with the blood of the innocents. They have also built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it come into my mind. Verse 6. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. Verse 6 is very important. Behold, this is a prophecy. The days are coming, says the Lord, that this place shall no longer be called the Tophet, the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And who going to be slaughtered there as the son is Jesus? So this is a prophecy. Let me expand more. There are three sayings what God is saying here. Notice that, for number one, that God's accusation against the people is that they made this a place of worshipping for foreign gods. And this is the place where they burned their children, the firstborn, and put them in fire. Point number two. Notice that God accuses them of filling this place with innocent blood. Remember, Jesus was innocent. He came to redeem all the innocent blood that was shed in history there. Point number three, note that God says the valley will be renamed as the valley of slaughter. So we have already seen how the field at the end of this valley got renamed the valley of slaughter. This is the same vicinity where Jesus will be slaughtered, where his trial took place. It is all preparation for this valley and innocent blood to be redeemed by Jesus. It is all fulfilled in Jesus. So let us see now how this scene will unfold by continue reading from Matthew 27 verses 11 to 26. I am getting to the theme, a Gentile governor, Pontius Pilatus, a Roman, condemning a Jewish king to death. Let us read. Jesus before Pilate, verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, 
Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus or Barabbas? Or Jesus the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. Verse 19. While Pilate was sitting on the edge seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and the elder persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas? They answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. Verse 24. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowds. I am innocent of this man's blood. He said again, let me repeat this. I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. This is a key point. His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. At this point, I need to read for you from John what he tells us about what happens here. From John 19, 14, and 15. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. They said, we have no king but Caesar. The chief priests answered. This is the final climate statement that the people are claiming responsibility for the death of Jesus right here overlooking the valley of Hinnom that Jeremiah told us about. Let me explain for you more by giving you three major points. This is the place, point number one, where they worshipped foreign gods. Look, in John they swear their alliance to Caesar as a pagan god, as God and claiming that they have no king but him. You know, remember what happened here? This is what the same thing, what they have done to Molech earlier in history. And the gods, Canaan gods, Baal, pagan gods, they worshipped pagan gods, the Jews, the Jewish kings. They made alliances with pagan gods and worshipped over the God of Israel. And here, in the New Testament, the Jews are worshipping this God, Caesar, 
he is like a pagan god he was a god so they done sin point number two this is the place where they are killing innocent blood and that innocent blood is crying out from the ground to jesus like abel's dead and all the innocent blood of all the children who died in history in that valley guy ben Hinnom, all the way till jesus time is crying out point number three look in matthew 27 verse 25 all the people answered his blood is on us and on our children so they say that they and their children would be responsible for the killing of the son of god which means that is a synonym they are sacrificing their children to the fire of god's wrath it is a sign of worshiping false gods just to have more money to gain more power and more status they are ready to murder anyone standing against them that is the corruption let me explain more about murder matthew 5 by continue reading from matthew 5 21 and 22 like what jesus said you have heard that it was said to the people long ago you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment but i tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment again anyone who says to a brother or sister raka is answerable to the court and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of fire of hell see jesus is using the terminology fire of hell this is all ties together with the theme innocent blood because let's re read more about what's written in 23 matthew 23 33 to 36 look what jesus said serpents brood of vipers how can you escape the condemnation of hell therefore indeed i send you prophets wise men and scribes some of them you will kill and crucify and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute for city to city verse 35 that in you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous abel to the blood of zechariah son of berachim whom you murdered between the temple and the altar assuredly i say to you all these things will come upon this generation so this will leave us the question what will cause them to do all of this murder and if any one of them to escape being condemned to the fires of hell which by the way does anyone know the term jesus used for hell here all throughout matthew including matthew 5 and matthew 23 it is the word gehenna in hebrew which literally means the hell the valley of fire what we see from here this place was the earthly picture of hell because it was the place where children were burned in fire in fact the word gehenna hell was found 12 times in the greek new testament invoking the image of fiery hell in 11 of these instances jesus himself is speaking about it 
For example, let us look in Mark 9:43 at Capernaum. Jesus told his disciples, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life, Mamed, than to have two hands and to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. In the Hebrew version, Gehenna is the word of hell. So here is using Jesus using this word. And in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus criticized the scribes and the Pharisees sitting in the seat of Moses for being hypocrites and not practicing what they preached. He called them serpents and vipers and asked how they were going to escape the condemnation of Gehenna. So, I will tie everything together. During Jesus' trial by Pontius Pilatus, Hell is on Jesus' mind here, being condemned. He's looking down at the valley of Gehenna, the innocent blood crying out to him. And the punishments of Jeremiah are on his mind in this place. All of what Jesus is thinking about during his judgment by Pontius Pilatus is how he's going to redeem this innocent blood. But also, is the promise that God made to Jeremiah that he would make a new covenant, a new promise. Jeremiah bought the potter's field that ended up being the field of blood because God promised a new covenant to the people of Israel and Judah. And when Jesus was inaugurated that he is the new covenant, he took a cup of wine. In Matthew's Gospel said, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That happened in the upper room at Mount Zion, the Passover meal, facing Gehenna, looking at Gehenna. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so during the trial, when the people say, His blood is on us, and on our children, in Jesus' hearing, he understands that he is being offered in this valley of hell by his father, betrayed by his own people, who is shedding innocent blood to atone for the shedding of the innocent blood so that God can offer the new covenant promises of Jeremiah to all who will believe. It is not a coincidence that this is the valley where this Roman trial takes place. Hopefully, you can connect all the dots together. So here is the moment where Jesus is redeeming all the innocent blood. And himself is going to go and be crucified and nailed on the cross to redeem all this blood that was shed on earth from Abel all the way through all the sons and the children that was sacrificed for the gods of Molech and Baal and all the Jewish people betraying him and saying that and worshipping Caesar, that pagan god and the Romans power and here is Jesus all of that is going in his mind just to redeem all humanity.
to redeem all the blood that was shed and himself he is shedding his own blood the blood of the new covenant between God and his people so this is a little background I just wanted to share with you about the trial of Jesus by Pontius Pilatus at the governor's palace at the palace of Herod the Great in Jaffa Gate where we are standing back of us so let us now after all of that continue walking all the way to Golgotha to the Holy Sepulchre where we're gonna learn about how the soldiers the Roman soldiers mocked Jesus and crucified him remember at the beginning of this podcast I said I'm gonna speak about three themes from Matthew 27 all the chapter we divided it into three parts first part is about the trial of Jesus by the Roman governor Pontius Pilatus now we are getting to the second part about the Roman soldiers mocking Jesus and crucify him which will be in the next podcast and the third part will be about Jesus resurrection which we're going to talk about also later thank you for listening I hope you learned and you enrich your spiritual experience and learned things from Jerusalem. God bless.